Welcome to the fourth edition of Transformation Talks. My name is David Lancefield, and in these podcasts, my aim is to explore the topic of transformation through the lens of a diverse group of people who've driven, lived through, or studied transformation in their own ways. We'll give you ideas, research, and experience to help you develop better strategies, more effective leadership, and healthier cultures in your organization, or at least that's our intention. I'm delighted, honored, privileged to speak with Tim Davey, CBE. Congratulations Thank on that you. honour. CEO of BBC Studios, a member of the Executive Board of the BBC, Chair of the Creative Industries Council, taking over from Nicola Mendelssohn of Facebook, Chairman of Comic Relief, Trustee of the Tate and of the Royal Television Society. Father of three, uh, an expert marathon runner. There you go. Expert, I wouldn't go that far, but I've, we'll come I, on I've to that. hauled myself around, yes. <laughs> hauled yourself around. Yeah. Okay, marathon de sable is hauling yourself around. A dynamic entrepreneurial and thoughtful man, I'd say, and a challenger too. Perhaps a touch of the rebel. Perhaps we'll come on to that a little bit later. Um, welcome. Thanks for your time. Thank you very much, David. Yeah. Pleasure to be here. So you've been appointed, to, to cast your mind back, you've been appointed as the CEO of Studios. Mm. Brilliant. What, how do you feel? And what's your first move? What's the first thing you're thinking about doing? Because I know you're an action-focused guy. You want to you get stuff done. What's, how do you feel? What do you want to do? I think when you take something on, and, and for those new readers on this, the, or new listeners, I should say, the um, studios is a, a, a merger of uh, BBC Worldwide, which is a decent-sized, billion-turnover business that was doing sales, distribution, channels. And we've merged it together with the BBC production businesses that make the traditionally only for the BBC uh, productions, um, so everything from Strictly Come Dancing or Dancing with the Stars for the international listeners, um, to Doctor Who, to Blue Planet, all the makers of those programmes, so about 2,000 people, half a billion of turnover, put that together with our business to form BBC Studios. Then we get to your question, which is at that moment. I, th I think when you, when you come to uh, a new enterprise, my thoughts are really on, on two really big things, I think. One is, is that enterprise orientated to a growing, mar a growing market? Because actually, having been around the block a bit, it is quite exhausting when you set yourself up against a market that's moving. Is it a tailwind business, to use a, use, use a bit of jargon, so apologies, but is it something where you're set up where the market will naturally drive growth? Yeah. The second thing is, is the other side of the fence, really, which is organisationally, what talent have you got to deliver what you want to deliver? And, and, and making assessment of the scale of cultural change that's needed to reorientate the operation and the speed at which you need to make that change. And when you're considering both the tailwinds and the, and the culture of the business, um, I speak to some CEOs and some of them say, you know what, I just got stuck in and I started doing stuff and obviously had a sense of where you wanted to go. Others are very much, no, I needed to build a, a vision for the business, a strategy, and they were still doing things, but they wanted to build a picture. Where were you on the, the, the ends of that spectrum? Um, unfortunately, I think you kind of, I, I, I can't leap down either side because I do think you've got to spin both plates. And you know, we have done, when, when I've been in businesses and we've done the 100-day plans, the clarity of vision around you know, where is this business going to be in three to five years. If you look at the, the research I've seen on, on, on whether people are happy and, and delivering is, is pretty straightforward. Is Number one is have they got a clear vision? I mean, it's all the old cliches, but have they got a clear vision of where they're heading? 
and do they believe in it? Which is yes. the really important thing, because I think a lot of people say the first thing, which is, have they got a clear vision? But do they believe in it? So, so are they on board and say, that is a stretching achievable goal? So I think you do need to build that um, in a consensual manner with your senior team. That takes a little bit of time, but I would say at pace. Having said that, the, the, the thing I, I, I don't subscribe to is kind of that whole, we're going to wait and the strategy is going to merge so we can just kind of go into a kind of, I don't know, a, a, a state of affairs where there's, there's not action. There's not wins on the book. Because my sense is strategy is only as good as the events. You know, it, it's only as good as the wins you put on the table. So we've also, in, in, when we delivered, for instance, our 100-day plan, it did have those elements like clarity of strategy, communicate where we're going as a business. But it also said, what wins are we going to put on the board? You know, in our case, acquiring new businesses, yeah. winning commissions, uh, transforming our business in a couple of markets. Because I think unless people see events, um, two things happen. One is they don't believe in the strategy itself. The second is they don't learn how to behave successfully. <laughs> do you see what I mean? So what they do is human beings will look at a strategy, they'll look at bits of paper, but really it comes to life when they behave something, behave in a way. I'll, I'll give you an example. The BBC has often talked about working across silos, you know, and constant workshops and this, that and the other. Actually, it's a project like the Olympics where you say, we're going to look at it across the BBC. Yeah. We're going to do it on every element of our broadcast. We form a team together. We put actually an executive in charge of that. And, you know, every person came away saying, I got it. And by the way, I really enjoyed it. And that's always going to be part of what I am now. I was part of the team that because put together the 2012 Olympics. Amazing thing, you need those events. You need those events. You need events. How do you, um, so you've, you've, you've started, you've worked out sort of where you want to go, you've, you've worked out the markets you want to sort of uh, tap into in terms of the demand. How do you sell it? Because you talked about consensus, and you need to send consensus, you bring the team with you and all, all those things. But how do you sell it? Because worldwide in any organisation, every organisation, large ones have gone through transformations before. There's all, often a scepticism, often a fatigue, some people. How, have you, how, how do you go about selling your, your ideas or selling your vision to either the execs around the table or the rest of the organisation, all the things you do? Yeah, I, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I, I, I can't bring a lot of rocket science to this, I think, because I, you have to roll up your sleeves and do a few things, I think, you know, the basics incredibly well. The first thing is, and it's really obvious, but unless your top team is not committed personally, not just professionally, they're not nodding along, but they're, they're truly seeing their personal um, fulfillment linked to what you want to do over the next three to five years, I think you're in real trouble. And so, you know, the first thing I do with a, se a new senior team is not talk about the business, but talk about themselves. Where do they want, what's their story? Where are they, where they, it's all, again, it is somewhat cliched this, but it is true, is people at the end of the day talk a lot about the general of the business, but really in their, a lot of their minds and their emotions are really about what's happening to them. Yeah. Yeah. Not in a selfish way, but yes. where, what is their story in this? So you have to really, I think, get to, you know, I don't want to sound too heavy uh, and uh, all Californian about this, but I do think you have to get quite deep into what individuals, what they want to do. So the first thing I do is get the top team to do that. Yeah. Literally say, and also the other thing is in teams. You are, you, are, sorry, you are asking, you're going to be asking more of them and to give more of themselves. Exactly. So if you don't, otherwise you're going to be treating them like robots, right? Exactly. And, and I think there's, um, there's a real need to get insights. You know, they are here, people are here by choice. 
I, I feel actually quite, you know, as leaders, we're there to serve people as well. So I, th I think there's actually there. there's a responsibility mm -hmm. to get that team aligned. And also they need to hear that you are at a very basic level going to support them in that endeavor. Yeah. So I think you, you do, as a, as a leader, need to set your own stall out. You need to be very clear about where you think the business is heading. But it is a for the top 20, and I'm quite deliberate about this, it is a very collaborative process. Yes. So, so then you get down to your next level, which is, I think then you've got the, I mean, I work on actually four levels, so I don't want to get too complicated, but the top mm. 20, mm. then you've got the top 100 odd. Do you know the next level of leaders? In, in some organizations, mm. you know, PwC's headcount's significant. It might be your top 300, do you see what I mean? But it's yeah. your next yeah. layer. Yeah. And these people are, I would say they're people that have to carry the message on their own. You have to be able to trust them to walk into a room and say, look, there won't be a senior person around. You are the senior person. And at that point, I think they need involvement in the story before you communicate it more widely. Yes. They need to feel a level of involvement in it. Yeah. I like a porous process with the, the next level down. Mm. Next level after that is kind of the management layer. So people who have still got, and by the way, I talked about what makes people happy, clear vision, good line manager. Because if you've got a CEO kind of on video doing a nice speech, and then your line manager, your group of 10 people, it just feels not completely disconnected, you've got a problem. Yeah. So that next level down needs then I think bringing in before you go to general staff communication, the management layer. Mm -hmm. And that is more about you know, communicating out. Yes. You want to hear views, you wanna, but you are being very realistic. It's not a two-way process at that point. And then finally you're out with the staff. And, and the, 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 the thing with the staff is I think they need to hear directly from the leaders. They need to hear simultaneously from CEO all the way down. Mm -hmm. And they need to be able to do input. Because very junior staff, the worst and most patronizing thought is to assume that they don't have smart ideas, you know, a lot of them are really quite good. Yeah. And you know, just because you're senior don't, doesn't mean you necessarily have all the answers. That's refreshing. I mean, it's very clear. It's a very clear sort of structure, and and it takes time, right? And it takes patience. How do you how do you temper Real it? Time. Because you're you're a guy who likes to get stuff done. Yeah. Your quick yeah. mind, fast action. How do you temper the sort of the need to? not just bring people on board, but allowing them to have a meaningful contribution, because that will, in simple terms, that's slower than just being much more directive and saying we're doing well, it. I struggle with it. that. I struggle with it personally, because you just want to drive it straight through if you're quite of a start, or, you know, the kind of, I, th I think the, the honest truth is you just have to hose yourself down and, and listen, and just say, right, I'm gonna, mm -hmm. the, the, the big prize here is over two, three years, it's not over the next two months, and you just have to calm down. And, and I just think experience says, you know, big change is made over, it's not made in days, it's normally made over getting your course right. And, yeah. and the other thing is, I think experience tells you that what we're talking about here saves you enormous time. Mm -hmm. So if you're in a rush, you wanna save time, yeah? You just have to work out that actually your velocity at the start could be slightly slower because you're, you're building capability to save you time later. Yeah, yeah it's a bit convoluted way of saying it, but you no, get the I point, get yeah. which is which is you're building the capacity because you know any any team leader will tell you the the, 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 the difference between having a team that's aligned, that's delivering, mm. that's supportive of the agenda versus the alternative, it's it's everything. It's so yeah. profound to your yeah. success. And you've, I mean, you worked. Going back in P&G, you worked in the private sector. Yeah. You now work in a great public service organisation in the commercial and a commercial, commercial business. Bit, yeah. How do you um? 
How do you transform and change in that environment? What color or sh you know, shades and colors does that give you in terms of being both, you want to be commercially driven, entrepreneurial, within the umbrella of being a, a great public service institution and yeah. organization? Yeah. How does that change your approach, if, if anything? Yeah, I, th I think it does. Uh, it, it does fact, it is a big factor in terms of my key shareholder is a public entity. Mm. I mean, uh, um, my, uh, not by design, but my career goes through very different revenue models. And the reason I mention the revenue models because mm. I think they are they shape a lot of it. Okay, which sure. is you know in a public service entities with fixed budgets, where you haven't got jeopardy around your rev your short term revenues. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, you might have a spending round in government, you might have a license fee negotiation, but broadly speaking, you are not hustling over a year's numbers. You can do wonderful things. You can get headroom to do things that don't deliver necessarily on a P and L, but you also can get quite entrenched. Yes. Yeah, and I think cultural change in public institutions is an area that continually needs kind of <laughs> energy, uh, is an ongoing lifetime battle for people to kind of get mm. that culture moving. And I think, and you don't have the same in the way, on the one hand, you have perhaps in some cases more passion in terms of the end and end purpose sometimes. Absolutely. No, I think but, you but, do. And I think the, you do. And the, and the problem, however, is you don't have a common bottom line to the same degree, which right. can be, so it's the flip side. You have you know, an upside and a, and a challenge. Yeah, and you do have multivariable kind of uh, success criteria because yeah. for the BBC, you have your public purposes. So yeah, you might have a small service that does a brilliant job of supporting a small community of a certain musical interest where I used to run radio or, yeah. you know, and, and I would argue that, you know, supporting, you know, a, a minority music genre is absolutely critical in public service broadcasting. But, you know, others would argue, look, your only metric is reach, but no, it's value and value yeah. is constructed in a multidimensional way. So yeah. I think that's quite hard. Now, coming to my business today and, and a lot of where I, you know, I, I, I work across a lot of entities, whether it's Tate, other things where, you know, you've got private funding, you've got public funding. The first thing I'd say is, is often the, at the top level, the contradictions are often over-exaggerated because I think actually having clear values and purpose is a commercial asset. So a lot of people say yeah. to me, oh, isn't it, isn't it difficult? The BBC's kind of all public service, you're running a, 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 you know, an aggressive commercial business. But what's the key thing that gets me in the room with you know, a Chinese, SVOD player, sorry, subscription yeah. video on demand yeah, yeah. player, I should yeah. say, yeah. Um, and all, all the various uh, media, it's, it's the BBC. Yeah. What's our biggest seller last year? It's Blue Planet 2, okay, which was probably the finest example of high-end BBC program you can get. So, so in a hyper-competitive market, isn't the fact we stand for uh, and, and have a program makers who are driven by yeah. a sense of public value it's our asset. commercial asset yeah. and, and I, you know I'm a, I'm a kind of come a classic brand guy with Procter and Gamble training yeah. PepsiCo training yeah. the first thing you look for is your brand differentiation mm. our brand differentiation is we make the best programs driven by public value driven by British creativity that's our stick well, either yourself or your team how do you balance the portfolio because on the one hand you want to be driving the business effect effectively and efficiency uh, with efficiency and you want to then drive the business in terms of growth they often require different skills, different uses of capital. How do you how do you think through those sort of trade offs and choices? It's a daily struggle, <laughs> and I enjoy it. Mm. But we, we are seeing industries, as as you and I know, being utterly reshaped. Yes. 
And what I mean by it is the obvious, which is, and it is, it is the internet that did it. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Everywhere. Mm. And, w and what it does is, in, in my world, clearly, we had a situation where it was very fixed and limited distribution. So a few channels, to state the obvious, mm. and suddenly you have infinite choice. My children are sitting there, you know, and everyone uses their uh, domestic examples because that is where real life hits home, which is if you're a media executive, you go home and you see, you know, it is changing at pace. Mm. And in that, you see, and by the way, that, that, that they, I, I get, people get slightly irritated. I know when CEOs bring up their home situations and this, that, and the other. But I do think in this, in, in, it's not for me, my particular case. But I do think it's really people are seeing it in front of their eyes. This change. But in but these I think that's okay. Not that I'm judging you here, but you're, you're describing a picture. I'm happy to be judged, David. <laughs> Off you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Far too dangerous. Yeah. But no, you, you're you're painting a picture as opposed to what I think a lot of C-suite or CEOs do, which is extrapolate their personal situation to the market for the population. Right. That which, is. Which uh, which is very dangerous, yeah, yeah. very dangerous. But, I did, I mean, but the, the data, let's go there, the broader data is utterly clear. This market mm. is moving extremely fast. And in that, I think what's, what's fascinating is a, a double challenge in terms of the, what you were talking about is in, in change. Not only do you have to change what you are as a business and what you do, mm. but critically, and this is as big a challenge for the media businesses, is... You may see that change, but the economic path from A to B looks extremely challenging. Yes. So, so in some where's ways, the, people the go, so we go, you know, what, where's the money? And, and, it, and it might not be that you go completely broke, but mm. you certainly see massive margin dilution, yeah. or you see different shapes to use of capital, i.e., yes. If the BBC wanted to go subscription video on demand around the world, you might be losing hundreds of millions of pounds for quite some time before you see That's light at the end move. of the tunnel. Yeah. Um, so what you're doing is 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 to, 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 to help you through that choice, I think the first is the obvious, which is you need a culture that is free from defend, defending the current business at all costs. I know that sounds a big point, but I think cultures, mm -hmm. corporate cultures broadly are all about risk aversion and long-term corporations have basically delivered sustainable incremental growth by repeating the same activity yeah 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 consumer businesses media yeah. businesses and it's comfortable you get a good life uh you, you you get a bit of growth and we've had that for decades yes this massive technological shift is discombobulating for individuals in corporations that are by and large, they, they're not entrepreneurs. You may be entrepreneurial, but you're not an entrepreneur if you're sitting in a corporation. Yeah. I can tell you, yeah. my neighbours who are entrepreneurs are all, you know, sold their houses, disappeared elsewhere. <laughs> you know, they, they're kind of throwing things up in the air in a way that most corporate individuals would not do. Yes. And I don't mean to be critical. What I'm trying to say is, I think that uh, corporate individual, individuals in corporations need to kind of get a bit more comfortable with uh, being more uncomfortable. I, well, I mean, more, slightly more risk, yeah. slightly more direct talking, not, yes. not rudeness, generosity of spirit, nothing to do with that, you know, the, the ability to... Saying what you think, saying to, what you think. Yeah, but with with a, with a positive really intent. say, look, I honestly think this business is winding out. It's a very, very hard thing to do for a corporation to say, actually, this is no longer mm. going to work. And how, do you, how do you create a safe environment for people around you to do that? Because people talk about saying, I'll oh, be, be straight, say what you think and mm. so on. But there's often a, a fear 
a fear culture, yeah. which may not be explicit, but is underneath, which is you don't want to be the person who says no. that the prize jewel, which has been amazing for years, actually is looking a it's bit It's very it's profound, fading. this. It's very profound. And, and you know, how many corp corporate presentations do you sit there and you just feel you're, at the worst case, I mean, this, I think mm. most people are better than this now, but the, the, the information is sliced to give you a positive story. Yeah. It's fatal. It's utterly fatal to culture. All I can say, David, I again, no, no, no revelations here. I just think you need to tell, you say to people, look, just relax, just, just relax. Tell me the truth. Tell me how it is, warts and all, what you mm. really think. Mm. Um, and it's difficult. For, it's really difficult for people in corporations. Yeah. In, in my in my business, what it's meant is, you know, our core. We still have a very big business where we're selling finished television programs. Yes. But that will, you know, that is not a growth business over time. Because what's going to happen is there's still a huge market for that. But the truth is the value is really now up, what we call upstream. So it's yeah. up in owning IP, owning content. There's not a media CEO who won't tell you this. And yeah, if you look at companies, uh, you know, like Disney buying Lucas, but film by buying yeah. Marvel, yeah. you know, these are the acquisitions that really seem to make sense in this market in terms of buying mm. big IP, owning your content. And it is about the truth of that content, not the spin, by the way. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I'm, yeah, yeah. I, I've been dealt with a lot of things in my life. I tend to work in terms of crisis, this and the other. Things are misrepresented about, we've got to get the comms right. We've got to, I've, I tend to dismiss all of that. It is about the truth. What is? What have you actually got here? Yeah. And yeah, what we're doing is rapidly, I mean, we've bought a lot of production businesses. We have you know, integrated the production business. My issue though is how the margin moves in that and making sure my position in terms of rights and margin is secure as I affect that change. Am I moving fast enough? I think I, yeah, just about, but it's, I would say I'm transforming the business, but even with huge effort, the whole team re kind of re-looking at what we need to do and in a better position in that we're not one of those businesses that's got so much legacy revenue Yes. That's even harder. That's exactly. So that we're able to do it, but uh, it, it, it is. It, I would just say it requires massive energy and the desire to really shape yourself around the market. I, and can you just talk about the market? Mm. Because obviously you talked about you know the BBC in terms of being you know yeah. you're Michelle, you're on the exec yeah. board. You have a whole sort of system and network of you know, production companies, yep. dis distributors, you have yep. global players now who are yep. both customers and potential competitors. Indeed. Yep. And you're transforming the business, but in some ways you, I was gonna say, you want some of them to transform as well with you to be part of it. Actually, something perhaps you don't wanna transform as much, but how do, you how do you transform studios and in a way do that where the system that you work in, if you, if you get, my, get what I'm yeah. saying, sort of transforms it in the right way? Because I do see some CEOs do a great job with their own business and then all the different networks they have, suppliers, the supply chain, effectively, the, the Ken customers, they don't quite get the story, they yeah, don't quite um, get the hand changing. Absolutely. How, do you, how do you keep it all? And we, have a, you know, we, we are a business like all now where that ability to partner, you know, BBC America is now a joint venture. We, uh, we, we didn't really have enough scale, so we divested mm. uh, half of it. Um, to AMC Networks as a partner, a partner there, yep. um, launching channels in India with Sony. Yeah, I could go on and on, but there's, yep. it's all partnership. If you take some of our biggest um, uh, productions now, they are co-productions, they're co-investment, co mm. you know, from, you don't really get major drama now with, you know, no. one player, no, what true. we say, we call deficit funding, someone just paying for it. Yeah. It is 
So you're absolutely right. It's all about partnership. I, I think there's a there's a again a couple of obvious things. One is, I think people need to know exactly what you stand for and your values are. I mean, we are about the best British creativity applied globally. We're not interested in buying. I mean, actually, you have to be very kind of articulate very clearly what you're not. So yes. we're not interested in buying. You know production companies around the world for the sake of it, we're not going to be buying you know, things that are outside our scope. This is what the value we add. The other thing is defining that purpose and scope in a way that is not linked to historical, one historical revenue shape. So we are not yes. a digital company. Wow. We're not a mobile company. We're not a channels company. We're a content company. Hmm. Okay. Now that is a hokey line because everyone's using it in media, but it's true. In our case, we are about content and IP. Hmm. I don't care whether at the end of the day it goes, you know, where it goes in some ways. Mm. I, w I do think there are editorial implications of screen size mm. and uh, length of, broad sure. of your, your programming. But broadly speaking, we are creating content which can go anywhere. So you reorientate the business. You need a vision of the business that is not dependent on a, on, you know, a defensive retrenchment around what is essentially a declining distribution channel or you know model, yeah. and you know I'm lucky in this way because I think there are businesses where you are, yeah. If a business is totally dependent on TV, linear TV advertising, mm. that's harder over time. Yeah, clearly you're going to have to mm. choose your cliche, but pivot or do something. Which you know, across the world, I see that. So picturing your your sort of daily life, where taking mm. a typical day or a week and so on. Yeah. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. Um, what are the moments that you absolutely love, genuinely love, and the moments where you uh, find find it difficult? You talked about some difficulties mm. in terms yeah. of sort of slowing uh, down. You know, stuff, but honest, what, do you, what do you love? What do you love? I like most of it uh, because because I think if you don't, it's always to be kind of twee about it. But no, if you I haven't got energy it. for all, kind of all of it, then you know, I, I really think that I, I come from a philosophical point of view, if you like, which is mm. I'm blooming lucky. And I think most of the CEOs, it's like I don't have much sympathy with football managers, you know, when they get, that's all right, yeah, in yeah. relative terms. So the first um, thing, David, is, is I don't think these, having dealt with also a lot of crisis uh, in terms of, not personal crisis, in terms of corporate crisis, yeah. I think this relativity point is really important. So you get people going, oh, this is the end of the world. You go, well, no, it isn't the end of the world. I can, I can describe certain situations where, they, so I tend to be quite positive about the whole thing and I don't want to be twee about it because I have my dark moments but I think in terms of the, the things that give you real joy in my, my life and, and, and absolutely one of the things I've done is move to businesses and, and organisations where there's purpose, there's, uh, there's, there's a creative spirit at the heart of it. You know, I, 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 the real thing that gives me absolute am amazing pleasure is to get to the, the obvious, which is get to the front line, see, see actors doing their business or being behind yeah. the stage at the problems when I was running BBC Radio and looking at a world famous pianist warming up uh, doing a, you know, Beethoven piano concerto. And I'm not, at the time, actually, a bit better now, but didn't know classical music that well and yeah. literally had, you know, the a mate kind of in effect a, a degree course running Radio 3, which was, and I had the finest musicians in the world in front of me, and that is humbling. Yes. I think it's when you see people that have got real talents that are genuinely different to you, and you can see them and go, I just, I just, could, I just can't even fathom how you do that. I could just never do it. And that's, I think that for people who've got a lot of kind of big jobs, and actually yeah. to see people with genuinely different talents that they can then say, I can't do that. Is, is, you know, there's a broader learning there for me yeah. on that, which is really important. No, that's, um, that's wonderful. The, the, more, the more stressful times are really mm. when you get, you know, the, the BBC is very in the public eye. Yes. And when a, the, uh, I, 
when the velocity, I use that word before, but it's kind of, it's kind of when, I, when I look at crisis management, I always think around velocity and, and then, then truth. You know, they're the kind of, what's the truth and what speed are we moving at? And velocity to me, uh, when it's moving faster to a point when you really feel you're not in control. I've had that a few times. Yeah. And I suppose we could relate this to the broader conversation, which is when the velocity of the market is moving faster mm. than the truth of your business, that's when stress, you know, genuine doubt and stress becomes problematic. Yeah, I can see that. And um, so, so that's, that's the situations when I felt a bit, hmm. frankly, unhappy. Um, How do you recover? Uh, I, it's a good question, actually. I haven't really thought about that. Hmm. Um, I, 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 do, I do vary pace quite a lot, although I'm quite... Kind of Interval fast. training, that's what they say in running. There you go, David. I'm you're, trying you're, to empathise, no. even though I'm, I, if you say you're a bad marathon runner, I'm not even close to being a runner. But, yeah, so. well, you've got the terminology, it's a start. You've got to, you've got to, you've got to, you've got to talk to you it. But, but yeah, it is into it. I mean, I, um, I, 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 don't, I certainly don't believe you have to be busy all, I think busy all day. I think one of the curses of modern life is we're no longer, to, I mean, thank, the one good thing about the, um, the, 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 the British weather is it gives us a safety topic when we bump into each other. The new safety topic is almost a boast of, I'm really hectic, I'm really busy. Do you know, you know I, kind of, I think when we met just now before this, yeah. you know, oh yeah, I'm really busy. I mean, really, it's become our norm, hasn't yeah, it? it has, yeah. and, and then you've got the, the phone situation, which is, you know, you can't walk more than 20 yards without, you know, looking at it. I do tell my senior team, you know, don't worry, just go off to a coffee shop for two hours and chill out and think. I really believe it, by the way. I just, I just don't think that this oh, whole busy thing is, 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 because if I relate, I, I don't relate it to, you know, kind of laziness. I mean, no. you know, the idea that, you know, modern executives now that, you know, you can work at home, you can do whatever. In some ways, we've got to, you've got to hire people where you've got the yeah. intensity of work is trusted. That's a given. If well, you've got an issue trust, with isn't that. trust, You have to trust the trust. people. It's all trust. And, and respect the people who work and think in different ways. Where do you then get inspiration for you? You're working with great people. Yeah. Across from the people on, you know, right from the front, yeah. from the, from the yeah. uh, pianists and, the, you know, the radio, yeah. but the creatives all the way up. But... Where do you get your best ideas from? How do you because you you're in a market where you're gonna have you have to make difficult choices. Yeah. You also have to pivot the organisation, and you yeah. are doing that. Yeah. Where do you get your inspiration from? Um, quite an, quite a decent network of people who have just got real massive experience, mm. but have never drifted to bitterness. Because I think a lot. You know what mm. I mean by that, or. Yeah, sorry, that's a bit loaded, but, but what I mean by that is you get a lot of people who have been around the situation and they kind of, if it was only, if it only happened in the way I used to do it or I've got, there's a lot of baggage there. I actually really love, you know, a small group of people hmm. uh, who remain energetic, curious, positive, but have got deep experience. That's the blend I'm looking for. Yes. I will give you an example that someone will all know, which is hmm. David Attenborough. Hmm. He is 92, yeah? And he is still fiercely curious about innovation, what's going to happen to the next, uh, you know, level of 4K, what should we do with the next eight Super HD, how do we present the oceans, what do we do about, pla I mean, honestly, it's, I get exhausted spending time, as a, which is a huge privilege. And if you go to talk to him, he is still fascinated by it all, but has incredible experience. Now, take that from an executive point of view, 
I think what you're looking for is you don't want to be going to uh, into a situation where you just you just get demotivated by it. I would just yeah. be very honest about it. You yeah. want people who bring that curiosity. Yeah. And I've got a few of them. They're not formal mentors. It's not coaching programs. Yeah, but they're I in like, your network. Fine. But I, I have a network. And, yeah. they, and they're, they're also free from the day. They, 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 don't, they don't need to say anything mm. that is particularly popular. Do you know what I mean by I that? They're, yeah, they're yeah. unencumbered. Yeah. That un unencumbered point is a good way because what, what I take from this conversation is one, one, the sense of purpose you have in terms of what you're trying to, to do in studios, a sense of purpose and the asset that it is within the, within the BBC. I guess the, the vitality, there's an, I mean this you know, very sincerely, there's a vitality to you and the people around you in terms of saying, come on, we're going to try and do something. Yeah. There's a sort of curiosity. There's something about um, being honest. You talked about honesty and the truth saying whether it's unpopular or popular at the yeah, time. Yeah. Um, but also making sure that there is a degree, you know, there is a degree of process in terms of how you bring the best ideas through, how you make decisions, how you, how you move forward. Yeah, it is a really interesting. I'm fascinated by companies that can blend, UK companies particularly, but there might be some global resonance here. But in my world, how can we bring a degree of unique British sensibility uh, around, you know, the generosity of spirit, the humour, what we do do as a company, but also have a kind of ruthless, cutting-edge professionalism, which I recognise from some of the American corporations I work with, yes. interestingly, yes. who are incredibly sharp. You never, you never uh, blink. I mean, I mentioned the uh, Olympics earlier in this conversation. I thought that was a brilliant example where, where you went to it. You went to a, it was a global quality event. Mm. Everything was pin sharp. Yes. The branding, there was no detail that you didn't look and say someone with a design eye with a quality has gone across it. There is no one in the world who could have put on a better show. But also, it had a certain Britishness about it. Mm. And I don't want to be parochial about it, because I think wherever I was in a locality, I'd search mm. for that. I think yeah. you can do that. This is not about you know a, a, a flag-waving Brit here, although I have a bit of that in me. It's, it's, it's absolutely about blending that local. And I think that makes it I, you know, less of a kind of... Um, just, a, just a, a flat culture. It's got a bit of... Uh, kind of personality to it. Yeah, there's a certain degree of sort of spice and edge and vitality yeah, to it, which is. Yeah. And the thing I like in this, from you and and especially in this conversation, is there are aspects that you've talked about that could be trade-offs or tensions. Mm. Com commercial versus public service, British versus others, um, yeah. um, sort of velocity versus reflection. Yeah. But actually, the way you talk and I know the way you act is you try and make you can do both and make the best of both, mm. which I think is quite rare. Many people say you have to make a choice on one side. We have to be a fast-paced organisation, yeah. or we have to do this, or we have to be running down that part of the business and be operationally excellent, or we need to be the next big I, tech I company. Think in, you I can think life do. is riven by false paradoxes. Absolutely, people. Are, oh, is that type of person, or that type, of, or that that type of business? It, and we we have it a lot in mm. um, our lives, which is you know a in drama, in a period drama, it has to be this, or literally, in editorially, yes. this type of program. Actually, you know, the programs that have leapt into a different dimension tend to be ones that meet on the boundaries of genre or would never, I mean, you know, the biggest show in the UK was a baking show. Yeah, you know, uh, ballroom dancing has created a billion pound business over the years you know it, it's and you have to create that fertile ground where people can come forward with balmy ideas yeah I, I, that yeah. is work in progress I, I haven't done enough of that in my right. career I, I think I, I, I constantly am interested in mm. what that strange alchemy of what actually generates 
those types of ideas. I'd like more if anyone's listening and they've got a particular treatment for a television programme that's going to change the world. I'll, I'll, I'll have it, David. There, there you go. Always trying to do some business. It's yeah. trying to, how do you create some... Um, Francesca Gino, who's written the book Rebel Talent, a right. Harvard professor, talks yeah. about how do you create happy accidents, yeah. which is partly about yeah, exactly. being in the right place, exactly. creating the right collaboration. Exactly. So exactly. I, lo I love your honesty, your spirit, um, directness, in directness and a positive intent, which is different from some other executives. Um, it's been a privilege chatting Thank to you, you learning from you, Likewise. Tim. Um, that was another edition of Transformation Talks. Check out other great episodes on SoundCloud, Acast and iTunes, and indeed our blog at pwc.co.uk. Thanks for listening. Thank you.